the UI UX part is quite important, actually. We're making it easy to invent with a very clear and simple interface, explaining the different steps, saying where your money is. Welcome to Purpose Driven Fintech. I'm your host, Monica Millar. I interview fintech founders, product leaders, and experts to uncover their stories, challenges, and lessons learned in building products with impact. To win the battle with financial stress and have social impact, we need to build products that solve real customer needs in a differentiated manner. In today's episode, I speak with Julie Martin, head of product at Stashaway. Julie started her career in investment banking, moved to product in a fashion company, and now heads a team building investment products at a RoboWealth fintech. We cover her story on how she entered the fintech market coming from fashion, transitioning from a PM solo contributor to a head of department, the customer pain points Stashaway is solving for in the investments journey, how to build an outcome-driven product culture, diversity in fintech, and how regulators can improve to facilitate innovation in fintech. Hello, Julie. I'm super excited about this conversation. Welcome to the show. I'm Monica. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have a discussion also. Yes, the pleasure is mine. Okay, so this is my go-to question for everyone at the beginning. What has been the role of purpose in your life and in business? It's it's very interesting that you ask about purpose because so last year I was, it was the end of my 20s and it was a reflection year for me asking myself. I, so I spent a lot of time asking myself about purpose and I almost panicked at some point. I was like, what's my purpose? I don't have a purpose. I don't know what I'm supposed to do later. You know, it's like you, the end of a decade and you're like, whoa, what? I've done a lot of things and I'm, I'm not sure about, you know, where I'm going, but I do enjoy what I'm doing and, and the process. Yeah. So if you ask me the question, my, what I like to do and what I'm driven to do is to make an impact in, in some sort. So my, in terms of career, for instance, I always wanted at some point to do my own company maybe one day or like help others, you know, managing their, their companies. In the personal life, I I don't know, but I also, I also think, you know, it's, I, you know, I want to make things that have an impact and that I enjoy doing. I enjoy the process of, of, of doing things. So yes. this is how I go around the question, what's your my purpose? Because I'm still looking for it on some aspect. Like I've spent time thinking about, you know, what I want to do, how do I make an impact, but I enjoy the process. Awesome. And then how did you, I, I like that because like our purpose doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, like I am here to change the world and help the children not ever be hungry ever again in their lives. It can be as simple as I want to have impact. That's it. How did you bring that to life at work? Like, does it help you, motivate so, you? Yeah, so I, at work, so when I started my career, I wanted to do my own company, VC, helping other company grows. And I went to other way that I think would be good for me to acquire the skill set so that later I could, you know, also help others, right? And then, then I discovered product, love product. And when I look into product, right, it's about empathy, understanding the user, solving user issues. So depending on impact growth in every day, you know, you know, when you choose your company, you align with the value, you know, what you're doing, you know, what user problem you're solving. 
you're also so now as a manager also in practice also helping others right coaching trying to you know help other PMs progressing in their career so it's also an another type of impact like not directly on the product but seeing it on on people, on people. so that's how I see the impact yeah every day cool yeah that's I've noticed in my career when I'm engaged is when I see the impact of what I'm doing. When I'm like not engaged at work, it's like I've kind of somehow disconnected <laughs> with either the impact yeah. I'm doing or the company mission. So it's like for me, it is important to feel that I'm having impact, right? Otherwise, yeah. I'm like, well, otherwise I just go home and do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's so important to feel. Yeah, no, I just, I was thinking it's important to feel aligned, you know, with the company, the product you're serving to have something that, you know, drives you towards, towards this. Exactly. So how do you have a very interesting career trajectory? You've had like VC, you have like fashion, you have fintech. How did you end up in product and then fintech stash away? So, very good question. Once you ask me, you know, during my studies, I also studied a lot of different things. I in mathematics, one in the political sciences, and I went into finance. I never had a mm. product at the time. I didn't know what product, what I slowly discovered. No, it's like, okay, I like tech. I knew I like, you know, innovation and those middles and working with startups. And I discovered venture capital. So I actually started doing my studies, took a break and started to work in a VC in, in Paris. And this was, it's super interesting for me, you know, talking to a lot of funders and seeing a lot of business models. So after this, I decided to go on the startup side because I was thinking, okay, it's, let's go on the other side of the world and see how, how it is. So that was actually my first experience in Singapore in a startup by, like by Rocket Internet. It was quite intense. We launched it and I was head of ops at the time. I, I created the whole ops function. And mm -hmm. this is the first time that I had direct hands-on, you know, I was talking to clients and at the same time we had a product and the team was in Berlin because this is the, the recruit model and I was very frustrated by the product. And this is where I realized, oh, I actually would like to be on the product side and, and to solve those problems that customers, you know, call me every mm -hmm. day to, to talk about. So that's how I, I discovered product. And after that's this, cool. I had the first experience in product in Berlin and yeah, I it confirmed that well, that's a very cool job. So what I'm very curious to know, it's of course, well, you have, you, you had some product experience in a fashion brand and then you end up moving to Stashaway, that it's an investments company. How did you go about the interview process where you're like, I don't have the specific experience, but you did leverage an experience that you had before and your degrees, like what was your thinking process? Because many people are kind of like trying to move from other industries into fintech and they are like, how do I go about that? Interview? Uh, it's a good question, actually. So I actually, so I started my career also in investment banking because after a small product experience, mm -hmm. I still wanted to do VC in the long term. So I did yes. a bit of investment banking. So I spent a lot of time on the financial side. I have a degree in finance. So I think that's why Dashaway contacted me. They probably saw, okay, product and, and finance, but my only before that, before before of Bonito and Fashion, my only experience in fintech was on the B two B side, and it was on the API product, building software financial market 
participants. So a, a bit different, right? I, I wasn't on the other side of the, what we call the Chinese wall. I wasn't on the wealth management side. So a mm. bit of an imposter syndrome for me when I was like, okay, I like the product. I've been using similar products in London. I know it solves, you know, big customer problems. It's interesting, but uh, I wasn't playing. At the time, I was really starting to specialize. I was spending a lot of time in e-commerce. So I was, I knew a lot about the e-commerce landscape, but not a lot about the fintech landscape. So I remember, okay, first interview, HR, and it was, it was okay. Then my second interview was on the product team at the time. They, so on the product side, it was okay, processing, et cetera. But on the, you know, when they started to ask about their product, the investment product, to be a bit honest there, eh, because it also all went in the same week. I, at that time, I was finishing very late at, at work the same week. I didn't have yeah. time to check the product as much. So I had to be very honest, saying, you know, I I don't know all, all the investment product yet, but, you know, I know the problem you're, you're solving. And, you know, if you give me a chance to go to the next step, I can, I can catch up on it. This I was confident, you know, I, I, I needed to, to just take a bit of time. So I managed to pass that second round, but, you know, I know it was, it was a bit just, and they told me, you know, you should, you know, look at the product a bit more, right? The investment product, the phone, the strategy, like you, you think about it. And the, the role I was being interviewed for was kind of senior PM, but on the for investment product, right? To develop new investment products, to very specialize on that core sector. It was not about the growth side that I was doing at, at Love Bonito. So during this weekend, it was a case study. I spent probably 15 to 20 hours yes. reading, looking at all the companies on the market. Also, you know, I had a lot of friends in FinTech, I called. Oh, asking, you know, what do they think about the product, blah, 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 or even people from every day, right? Would you use Tashui? Yes, no, why, why not? And yeah, I was able to do the, the, the case. And then more than when I got the offer, I decided to take on the challenge, but I spent hours catching Preparing. up on the, on the landscape and, and some of the financial motions. So it was a quite a good, exciting challenge for me. Yes, well done. Mm -hmm. And then building on case studies, I think many PMs fear the case study interview because exactly you're you're proposing something about something that you don't know about like as much as your job, right? So it's like it takes time. How did you, of course, like to prepare for the case study, like you did, you immersed yourself in market research. You spoke with customers. I love that, that it's like, I spoke with the actual customers. You started using this. Yeah. But then how did you go about the, the case study? It's like the, how long you keep it? How short you keep it? Like, what's your mindset? Well, I'm generally more on the short sides. So I think I did the classic uh, slides, trying to keep it short, bullet points, and very clear and visual. Because they're evaluating you not just on the the content, right? They know you you're not you know inside of from the company. You might not know as well. But they're also evaluating you on how you present it, right? What has been the different steps you you've gone through? How what is your structure? So I think this is important, right? If you're not as comfortable on on the content, and even if you you have PM experience from another sector, e-commerce or, or other. 
you can still reuse the frameworks you have learned. You can reuse your, you know, communication skills, and this is what they're going to look at. I would say the fact that if you can talk to potential customers, you know, record a few testimonials, do some market research, add some numbers, also, you know, show that you're yeah, data driven, even if you don't have internal data, try to find data outside. It really makes a difference. So you don't need 40 pages, I mean, depending on, on the company, I would like, I would hate to have to read 40 pages in interview, but it needs to be very concise, clear and, you know, data backed, just show that you, you know, did the, the extra, extra steps there. And not awesome. just thinking about the question only and answering. Yes, I love that. And then basically building on your career, like, okay, you nailed the interview, you've been a few years in Stash Away, and now you're a head of product in Stash Away. How does your day-to-day -day change when you go from being a PM and then now managing all the PMs? And what's the challenge about managing PM? It's quite, it's quite different, right? It went, it was a bit gradual for me. I remember there was a sort of transition steps where, okay, the investment products were really double done. So it was expanding. I went from having one squad to four squad at some point even. Then we restructured things a bit. So at some point I hired two PMs and I was also doing individual PMs on two other squad at the same time. So that was a bit of a, of a crazy time. And then it transitioned to fully not being a, a when I see anymore, but managing the, the, all, all the PMs. So it was quite gradual, but still quite fast, right? Everything happened in, in, I guess it's been almost two years, so in, in, in the less mm -hmm. than two years. So what, what changes that as a, as a PM individual contributor is very easier to know, you know, what are the ex expectations fall from you, right? You, you have your OKRs, you can launch your products, everything is measurable. It's, you know, you know, your product is successful. No, it's, you're very comfortable, you know, working with your squad, stakeholders. I was, I was very comfortable in, in, as an athlete. It's very interesting. But yeah. uh, so when, when you start to be on the manager side, it's different, right? You, you have to learn. It's, it's a bit difficult at the beginning because the product sometimes a bit your, your babies. You have to learn how to step back. <laughs> not, not, not good directly, you know, you're not the one, you know. Developing that that product, right? So you need to step back and coach right? the the PMs in doing this. And sometimes it's you're very tempted to, you know, give give a solution, or, or and and that's what you you do actually naturally at the at the beginning. You, you know, you're very tempted to do things by yourself because you're like, okay, it would be maybe more efficient if I do things by myself. But it's not sustainable in the long term if you want to grow and have you know, multiple squads. So that was the difficult part for me, right? Learning to study step back, you know, not inter like I could join some of the calls without, you know, speaking, listening, coaching behind. It's still something that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm learning, you know, every day. So stepping back and, and also, you know, no matter what you do, I think the impact is less direct right and when you work Visible. directly on a product and exactly but it takes time right it's like you're kind of planting teeth and you watch them grow and it takes you know i'm i'm, I'm a very fast person i like fast results and, and things so when you you know, you know there is somebody between you and the product and you know you're people it's not a person it's not it's not a machine it's uh that was challenging for, for me 
Yes. And I think every PM, because many people are like, oh, I'm a senior PM and then I move into a group PM or a head kind of role. And exactly everyone, it's like, oh, I want that. I want that. It's career progression. But it's not the same. It's not the same as being a PM. And it's different skill set. And you may be like, hey, do I want to be an individual contributor or do I like coaching and managing people and growing people and being in the background rather Mm. than being the one leading the the doing? Because you you can be an amazing senior PM and, you know, struggling as a a, a manager. It's quite different, actually. Yes, exactly. Cool. Well, thank you for that. Your career has been quite exciting. So as we move like away from your career as such, let's talk a little bit about StashAway because we've already like been talking about StashAway without even saying what it is. So tell me, what does StashAway do? I'm, I use your product, by the way, like for many years and I love it. Oh, and so I'm good. a big fan of StashAway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I love StashAway. Well, StashAway is a digital investment app that, uh, you know, you and me, we told investors, right? You don't need to be... Uh, extra accredited investors to invest right and it's to invest in a very simple way so which we what we call kind of a robot advisor bit of categories where you know you go on the app even if you don't have a lot of financial knowledge uh we ask you a few questions about you know your assets your risk preference and then we you know we create a portfolio or we have a few range of portfolios with a risk that is adapted to your profile. Well, that's how it started. Now we've been diversifying a bit uh, investment product offerings. So it's everything around wealth management and also managing your money. So you can, we also do cash management. So you can uh, earn, you know, higher uh, returns compared to what you have, you know, in a bank or for a different range of investment product. We also do an ex- you know, extended the product a bit uh, with our users. So some users started to want to personalize the product, right? It was not just mm-hmm. about, okay, I put the money and you, you take care of it, but it's like, oh, it's been a couple of years, right? I'm actually interested. I would like to invest a bit more in this sector. As it plans. So we also developed solution with our flex portfolios for people to, you know, select some of the sectors or things they would be interested in. So it's all about waste management in a very measured, simple way. We have also an academy. We give classes about personal waste and, you know, how to manage your money over the long term. So the, that's, I think, the main difference compared to, you know, trading or brokers. It's not about, you know, short-term profits. It's about really seeing the long term and building your 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 wealth and achieving your your goal. Yes, and I see. I think you're spot on that it's the academy. The academy is what mm-hmm. differentiates you. In it's not the investment. Of course, you have differentiation points when it comes to the investment product as such. But I guess as a brand, like you're bringing your mission to life when it comes to the academy. It's not just, hey, let's launch another investment product. It's the, the academy ensures that you're bringing customers with you in the journey and that they are educated, right, making the right decisions rather than just, boom, put your money there and then forget. Yeah, so we, it's So the, the difference with e-commerce, for instance, is like e-commerce is, you know, it's not your long-term wealth. It's 
less, you know, it's just buying clothes, right? So you can optimize, sell clothes. If you want to optimize first, right, we're not going to sell or, you know, highlight or, or product to highlight a product, right? We have to be cautious about the risk that the client can test, right? We have to be cautious about their background, their preference. We have to make sure they're educated. If, you know, just asking to deposit for depositing, it's not. You know, it's not very useful, but we educate about this year, right? Dollar cost averaging and the importance of saving money a bit every month to, and investing it. So it's it's more thoughtful as uh, as an industry. I mean, the, the waste management side, we need to be very cautious and and at Stasher, it's really how we we think about in terms of product development. It's everything needs to be clear, simple. We need to explain. We need to be transparent on. You know, it's not about making a big revenue number visible in the app, but it's also about showing the risk, right? So actually, we are the, mm. we are very, very risk driven. You know, being transparent about it for years. Yes, and I love that. I think like your product principle that it's very clear that it's like, hey, be transparent, but even bigger than that, it's like be thoughtful, be thoughtful yes. about the journey mm. end to end. Yeah. I, I like I like that that thinking. So have you well, Sasha Wake has been around for maybe five years or so. And I'm assuming as a startup now scale up, it was not always the same, right? Like when you start, it's different. But then and the academy was introduced later in the journey, right? Do have you guys noticed any difference on customer engagement, customer behavior? Once you introduce the education piece, or it's been, has it had a major impact? It made an impact, unfortunately, not for all customers. So it's usually we see a correlation, such a final causality, right, between the more uh, autistic customer, right, with DC, et cetera, and the fact that the academy is potentially see some of the models or just reading the market commentaries, right? That we send every every month to explain, you know, what's happening in the market. So all the weekly buzz also that, that we have. So there is a correlation. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, between correlation because it is hard to, to see, but definitely helps. And we, we do get some customers that, you know, give us some feedback and think, thanks for, you know, sharing the, the weekly buzz, right? Like a few bullet points every week on what's happening on the market. That's how I keep my market knowledge up to date, right? I don't have time to read, you know, FT or others every day, but I, I do this. Or some other customers, I remember when we were doing user interviews to develop new investment product, some of the customers still remember, oh yeah, I remember I was in this webinar with your chief investment officer and I was very well explained and I really liked it. And so they, they do remember the touch and the information shared behind. It's not, you know, just a medium to invest. Awesome. Congrats, because yeah. I genuinely like the product. Like I use it a lot. And it's, I think you guys have done a good job in exactly cr crafting the customer journey and the customer experience end to end rather than just having investment products. You're looking at the yeah. journey, which I, re I really like. That's why I was like, yeah, we need to speak with Julie <laughs> because this, this is like a, a product that is having impact in people's lives, right? So, and that's yeah. the differentiator. Probably it's being thoughtful. It's as simple mm -hmm. as that. So we've been talking about customers touching here and there. Can you explain like what are the 
top pain points of customers within the investments, retail investments world? Yes. So for there's, there's many, many pain points, but the one we look at and we're addressing, so generally one is it's difficult to invest, right? You need time and knowledge, right? And knowledge comes with time also. So if you want to, to invest and do your investment yourself, your portfolio, first of all, you need time to actively manage it. And then you need the knowledge, right? So you need to you know, read the lot and look at the right socks, etc. So it's very time consuming and some people, right, prefer to have other hobbies, right? Or other things in life and spending time on managing them. So that's a major pain point we address by being very... User friendly for like passive investing. So really, mm. you know, you can set up your automation. You can even set up a more direct debit from your bank account every month to let's say your cash management portfolio, and then set up DCA from all your other portfolios. Once you set this up, you can just you know relax and look at it and maybe review your investments every quarter or something like this. So it's really, it's really made for users who want to save time, right? Who don't have time to spend on, on investing. So that's, that's a pain point. Another pain point is the cost. So investing actually has a lot of hidden costs in some of the platform. In traditional banks, usually the management fees have been higher. So we really came and that's how we kind of disrupted at the beginning that like, uh, it's a model that we've seen a lot mm-hmm. in, in the UK in Europe in the US but in yes Singapore, that's what I was going to say it, it was uh, it was yeah. the first one right to be able to invest just in a okay in a, in an app but and and really see you know what fees you're you're paying and and being transparent about it and comparing yes. to 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 banks etc so it was I think at the beginning it was really a, a pain point to to solve no it's been it's starting to be quite wide on the market. You have a lot of investment platforms. The costs are addition depending on the platform, but I don't think it's as much as a pain point that it was five years ago. But it's still, it's still important right, to make sure you you're not overpaying right to for 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 this. And the other pain point is, I guess, usability. Right, even if you have the knowledge or you know you're okay with the fields, a lot of Platforms are very yeah, a bit more old, or even not on the on 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 your phone on the market. So it's not yeah. It, the the UI UX part is quite important actually, right? We're solving, we're making it easy to invest with a, like a very clear and like simple interface explaining the different steps, uh, saying where your money is. So this is also something you know when we talk to clients something they love about Stashio, right? It's easy compared to, I, I don't know, like calling your, 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 your bankers. We, in Singapore, we even instanced private markets for equity investors. So venture capital, PVC, private equity and venture capital investing. So we're making it easy, right? With like low minimums and it's more accessible. So it's, it's much easier. So that's another pain point. Well, the time, the yes. cost, and and easier. I would say there's a lot of three more pain points we're we're trying to solve. Yes, and that makes sense as the wealth management industry has evolved as such. Because, like you say, let's say seven, eight years ago, when I was in the UK, we started to see the first robot wealths. Maybe like the the, the first investment products. Let's say, yeah, 
the new apps. But then maybe, I don't know, 12 years ago or 10 years ago, it was the first generation. But then maybe eight years ago, the products that I used to use in the UK, they were starting to be very similar to what Stashaway is doing now. So it's been a journey. It's not a, hey, like upfront, we're solving all these problems, but the industry yeah. as such has gone through a journey. And it, I'm, I'm very pleased to see how as an industry, we've kind of started to grow. And now it's like yeah. normal across all geographies that you have like a good investment product for the day-to-day -day person that 15 years ago, you could not invest because the cost was too high. The, the yeah. initial capital requirement was too high and you were just like, I cannot. And now it's like everybody has access. So I think we've made a massive, massive progress and impact as an industry when it comes to investments. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yep. So moving into inclusion. So within the financial well-being world, we know that there's differences between men and women, especially when it comes to investments. The, the men portion of, of the population are more likely to invest rather than women. There's higher penetration on investments when it comes to men. Do you guys see similar in, in similar behavior in Stashaway? And, and if yes, is there something that you do about it or you're just like going with the inertia of the product as such? So I joined Stashaway a couple of years ago. And when I joined, it was, I actually did a lot of education on, on the women's side and we have no more than they already had. So I think it's been the same since a couple of years, more than 40% of of female investors. So it's pretty balanced actually awesome. on, on the platform. I don't think it started this way. It came with a lot of additional education and awareness we've done you know, for uh, women in investing. We, we've done additional conferences, webinars, education. We had a full series in academies for for women explain, you know, how to, to invest and So no, we're, we're actually pretty happy to see that it's, it's balanced in terms of, in terms of, of percentage of users. Cool. And how about talking about diversity and inclusion? Of course, like the topic of the year, the decade, what are your thoughts about women in fintech and women in product management as such? How do we make it better so, for us? Women in fintech, I think product management, it's. I would say it's getting a bit more balance as an industry right between. But if you look at the junior side, yes, you know, the older you get, then I think you have more seniors on, on it's, it's less balance on, on the senior side. But it's, I think, getting better as an industry because people realize, you know, to build product, right, you need diversity, right, you need diversity, you need, you know, diverse ideas and, and backgrounds to product that also address you know, different different problems so i think it's get better but it's one way is not to forget about it right on the whole let's say for me right if i want to hold pm i know i have already more male pm than female pms in my team and in, in in fintech it's easy to think oh it's like somebody that have a bit of uh, you know fintech knowledge and investment background and then you when you look at Finance is very, very male dominated. So naturally, it could be you know if we would have probably more candidates, right? So that makes it something we have to keep in mind, right? Uh, not to, well, uh, 
but to to reproduce so that fintech doesn't become like finance and, and stay a bit more a bit more diversified. So I think it's it's important because it's all the the user problem we're talking about, or the education, the academy, right? Is that it's possible if you have a diverse team and you have you know, very different background and opinions to build that product. This is what makes the product, you know, rich and and you know and 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 good, right? If you have different op- opinions and different backgrounds in your team, so it's. I would say it's getting better generally in the product side, but in fintech because a lot of you know people from finance going to fintech and people from tech also. So tech in general is not uh, super diverse. We have to be cautious when building team, building companies that we keep a diverse set of skills and experiences. Um, so it can be about genders, but you know other things also. But previous yeah, experiences, exactly, yeah, yeah, and and backgrounds. Gender yes, is talk- one thing, but g- generally the diversity side is super important. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then now talking about diversity and hiring, in your opinion, what makes an outstanding product person? So on the for an individual contributionary product is a well-rounded set of skills, right? We need people that are very good at communication, that are a lot of technical background, technical knowledge, able to understand quickly, right? How to, how structure work, how product are structure, how services work between each other. We need people that are very data driven. We need people that know how to do market research, know how to talk to customers. So generalism is a very broad set of skills, right? And so it's a bit difficult to say, you know, it depends on what type of skills you're missing in the team and what you want to look for, right? So maybe sometimes you're looking for somebody with more data background because, you know, you think it's complementary to the rest of the team. And sometimes you can look for with somebody with more technical background because you're like, okay, I have a lot of, you know, PMs going from the business side. We need for that position. We need you know, somebody for with a more technical background. So depending on the role side, I don't always look for the same things, but in terms of similar traits, right? We want people that, uh, of course, that have a lot of empathy, right? So I think customer first, right? Not thinking yeah. about, okay, I'm going to solve the problem that internally they're asking me to, to solve, right? It's more about being curious, right? Trying to go and look at the data and find some, some customer problem to, to solve. So empathy and being very proactive, right? So it's not like PMs that don't just do what, you know, they're supposed to do, but right. already know how to look the next three months, six months, you know, prepare the, the backlog ideas. You know, they see that we're not doing some reporting well internally. We're not looking at this data, right? Let's start a new process for this, et cetera. So I want very, very, and the more senior the PMs are, the more ex- the expectations are higher, right? So it's people to be very proactive in problem solving and in looking at the data, finding new issues, and thinking forward. Yeah. Yes. Mm. I like that, that the expectation changes as you progress in your career. Because probably if you look at the what's out there in internet and LinkedIn, there is a lot of product narrative. Oh, you need to have all these skills. And then you're like, oh my God, I don't have all of that. And it's like, no, it depends on where you are in your career. 
you start developing those skills and then basically the expectation will change. And then, like you said, that I totally love this. You don't need to be an expert in all areas of product development. You cannot. Exactly. You cannot. And then, especially for people looking for jobs or looking for a career move, it's more of understanding what's your strength and what's your complementary type of team. Because then you're like, for example, like you were saying, maybe you need someone more technical. And then it's, hey, you pair up the technical person in the team. Well, the the skills of someone more technical with the skills of someone more data-driven, with the skills of someone more like market user research needed. And then you have a very strong team rather than just one expert on everything because that's not possible. Yeah. So yeah, in many companies, the challenge that we have is we look at a roadmap and then we go into delivery mode. Let's deliver this thing in the roadmap. Hey, how do we ensure that we are an outcomes-driven product team. And it's not that easy. So what's your thinking around shifting those cultures and ensuring, because it's ongoing, right? How do we ensure that the culture either starts developing into an outcomes-driven culture or stays as a outcomes-driven culture? Yeah. So this is very, very relevant for I think a lot of, of companies. For us, I would say even more in some aspect than when I was in e-commerce, because a lot of the projects we do sometimes are very big, right? Some of them take like three months, four months, and it, it's very easy to fall down in the waterfall approach, right? You need to develop a new investment product. It's very hard to get, you know, in the, in the middle of it, right? So launch it fully, or you don't, but you can say, oh, give me your money, and in two months I will invest it, right? So, so it was a bit difficult, right? We, we, for, for a long time, we were thinking, okay, how do we, do we stay, you know, agile, right? On the one part. And the other part is how do we also make an impact and measure this? So what we do is, I think like a lot of, a lot of companies were using OKRs, right? So twice a year, we set up targets for the team, company OKRs, product OKRs. And then we make sure that all the different teams and squads that we have on the product side have initiative, right, that fall under each of these OKRs, right? So we've been improving a lot over the past couple of years on, on this one, you know, dashboard. So we have a product OKR dashboard in, in Lucas that everyone can look at. We have, you know, monthly update and we look at every initiative we do and how they can impact those OKRs. Positions to, you know, how to make sure they have an impact. But the other part is how do we keep it a bit more agile, right? We don't wait five months, six months, right, to launch a product yes. and then two months of measuring data behind to say, oh, okay, maybe this doesn't have the expected impact. This is very long, very risky. We're also in a in a in a time where we need to be very, very thoughtful about all the resources we have and really prioritize things that, that make an impact. So more and more, we're trying to look into, okay, we've been breaking down our features. We have MVPs, right? How do we then reduce our MVPs in the sequence of, you know, different sprints that lead to launching that MVP so that the first part we do helps to de-risk the rest, right? And it's, it's something we're still doing, right? Still learning, trying new processes. We actually recently had a product offsite in, in KL, right, where we were discussing about about that right and try to 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 really challenge or we we, we took 
two or three of our upcoming projects. And some of them were like a month and a half to up to three, four months, right? Or five months for four months. And we're like, okay, we know we want to do it. It's in the roadmap. We know that there, there is an impact, but, you know, how do we go about it, right? How can we split? What do we, can we start in, right? Do we need to, let's say you want to redo your onboarding flow, right? Do we have to redo everything together? Can you start with uh, some piece, measure it and, you know, or maybe while you do a lot of incremental changes, you know, keep like a control group. So it's something we're really, really looking in, into. So we've been really improving on the OKR, the tracking, the, we're all aligned now on what we want to improve as a, as a product team. But no, we're improving on the Angel side. We're trying to, to relook at some of the projects we've done in the past or some of the projects we already had on the roadmap and think about, okay, what happens if Let's say there is a compliance things coming in the middle of project. I have to stop and do something else. Am I happy yes. with what I have delivered up to, uh, so far, right? Because uh, I remember when, when I joined I, a few times, right? We had to stop project after months of working on it. And, you know, it, it still wasn't deliverable, right? So we're really looking into more into this approach. And it's kind of a, between the moment you've done your roadmap, you're prioritized, you have a high level, you have your MVP, you have a high level idea of the scope. It's a step back that we're trying to, to do and realignment with the, with the dev and with the squads, right? Between PMs and the squads to think about, okay, it's there, it's coming. It's look like a, you know, a three month check in the, in the roadmap. What do we do first, right? What makes sense? What, what is, you know, is there something we need to do? Like a POC, for instance, proof of concept, right? To try to see, maybe it doesn't even work, the integration with this vendor. Maybe we, you know, we can solve this first and then we're confident and we can go with the rest. If the first part doesn't stop, doesn't work and we stop the project. So it's something we're, we're, we're still in the, in the middle of improving, but it's very, very exciting to, to look at. So, because we, I mean, we still spend a lot of time on mapping and prioritizing things, but now we're trying to add that extra steps to, to make sure we're keeping things agile and we measure what we do and we don't, you know, we don't wait six months before seeing the, the results. And it results in impact. Yes. Yeah. And it's a journey, at least from my yeah. perspective, yeah. I can say, Hey, it's a journey. You don't get it right. Yeah. Like straight away. Yeah. It's an evolution. As exactly. As with any product development process. Mm -hmm. Julie, it's been an amazing pleasure having you in the show. Thank you for all your wisdom. Where can we find you? And where can we find more about Stashaway? You can find me on LinkedIn. And you can learn more about Stashaway at stashaway.com. But I think the best way to learn more about it is going to App Store, App Store, download the Stashaway app, and have a look and explore. You know, just the academy models, uh, some of the products, and, and send me feedback. On the yes, because I, I love to, to. Yes, cool. Thank you, Julie. Just before we go, very last question. If you could change one thing in fintech to make fintech better and have positive impact to customers, staff, and investors, what could it be? It's a difficult one because you can't change it. It's also supposed to make fintech easier, but one of the major pain points to, to be an entrepreneur in fintech or start a business in fintech or start innovating is regulation. So I wouldn't say let's take out the regulation because it's also super important, but it would be interesting to have more flexible 
infrastructure, right, to develop new products in different countries or, you know, from the different, or maybe something that is more universal depending on the region so that we don't have to talk to, you know, different regulators in different regions. I think that's that's a major pain point for for innovation and, and entrepreneurship. On the other side, it's it's super important. Right? It. Uh, it's, it's, it's money, it's needed, we need to do KYC, it's, it's very important. So I think there is potentially a lot of innovation that can be done in that in the regulation side also. I like that because then what you're saying is how do we make the how do we dis- the regulatory framework in such a way that it continues to do its job because it has a very important yes. job yeah. and at the same time enables innovation and makes it easier for financial institutions to navigate what mm-hmm. is it that's allowed what's not allowed and how we can think different provide different solutions while still being compliant so that's a big question for the industry, Julie. Yeah. Very, yeah. very good Ma'am. question. Thank you. Yeah. Not an easy one to, to solve. No, it's not an easy one, but I like it. That's a big I'm, question that I'm, we need I'm to sure not of people are looking at it. So Yes. Yes, I'm sure they are. Awesome. Julie, thank you so much for your time and speak very soon. Thank, thank you, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Your time and energy means a lot. If you want to support the show, remember to give it a follow and DM me to get in touch. I promise I do respond.